listening to the Crude Audacity Podcast, the podcast that talks shop, shit, and strategy for oil, energy, and politics. Here's your host, Catherine Mills. Thank you so much for tuning in today. You are listening to the Crude Audacity podcast, and I am joined by Chris Zavlanos of Rigor Talk up in the great white north of our northern neighbor, Canada, to talk about the leftist war on energy. Chris, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. How about yourself? (laughs) I'm doing pretty good. Thank you so much for joining in because the topics we need to cover today, they are loaded topics. And Over the last week, we have seen a complete assault, be it deliberate and aggressive on energy, but I would, I would be pushed to say that it's in any way strategic. So I'm excited to sort of talk to you about what you're seeing happen across politics and why these impacts are really going to affect the modern everyday middle-class citizen. But before we jump into it, Please give us a little bit background of who you are, how you got into oil and energy, and who is Rigger Talk? Well, I'll start by saying at a young age, I wasn't going to school. I knew that. So <laughs> I went right to the rig. So I myself got 28 years experience in the oil and gas industry. Last 18 years, I've been consulting, doing fracks, completions, abandonments, everything else. I'm in the process right now with other like guys that uh, we're starting a consulting firm for environmental uh, consulting and everything else. So we're in the process of that right now. And yes, I am the president of Rigor Talk. Again, I did that because throughout my years of experience, I found that there's a delay to find services and everything else. So I just wanted real-time information for services on the world map. And that's kind of kept on going with map after map, drill and rig map, jobs, equipment, events. So with that being said, you can find local services anywhere worldwide. And it's kind of like Google because every company puts their own information in to get found. We do have over 365,000 users worldwide. So it's been humbling to say the least. <laughs> it's really its own movement. I mean, from watching y'all grow, what was it five years ago you really started it to what it's yeah. blossomed into now? I mean, you are everywhere, but most importantly, you promote businesses that promote energy. And that is something I love about y'all's platform. Yes, thank you. <laughs> so- one of the other things I wanted to point out is you are on the environmental side. You are on well site side. You have seen the full spectrum of energy. So in the last week, we have seen the cancellation of about 70,000 plus jobs across the energy sector. We have seen the pulling of permits for fracking and drilling on federal lands, the cancellation yet again of the KXL pipeline, the Keystone pipeline. But it doesn't stop there. It really doesn't. It gets even better. We have seen the energy secretary be nominated as Jennifer Gronholm, someone who is notoriously against the oil field, any sort of baseload energy. The press secretary said not two days ago that all of us oil field workers, us energy workers impacted by the KLX cancellation, we can just go randomly find a new job here in COVID times. But one of the most concerning items is that a ban that previously kept Chinese-backed companies from interfering with the electric grids across North America, that ban has been canceled, and now Chinese companies are coming in ever so quickly to sort of control power grids. 
what in the world is happening in Canada? <laughs> you know, first off, it's so funny. The only thing that I see happening in Canada on the news is COVID. But what you said definitely are serious questions to address. Like we are so censored now. It's so tough because like you said, banning drilling license for the next 60 days, that's detrimental for your guys' unemployment. And well, it affects North America. People think oh, it's absolutely. lower 48, but Canada and the U.S. are so connected. Absolutely. And then there's Keystone. And that is so frustrating. Like, as we all know, that if it was about actual greenhouse gases, they would allow Keystone because the Keystone pipeline is will reduce that, as we all know. And the train, the trains, the trucks going down the road for safety measures and you know, it's backed by big money is what I see because Warren Buffett's got 33,000 miles of rail in Western Canada yeah. so that more chains. So it isn't based on the environment is what I see. And it's very frustrating. Very, it's, it's so frustrating. Yeah. Well, it and the job, 60,000 jobs. Ex exactly. And it turns into climate change is very real, but climate crisis is not. It is a marketing propaganda scheme and if you look back at the roots of the environmental movement, we started seeing it gain traction in the 1960s with the book release of Silent Spring. However, in the 1970s, the environmental movement as we know it was actually a, a, an attack against capitalism. It was a push towards a socialistic agenda having nothing to do with environmental movement but for the purposes of getting the American people, the Canadian people to start adopting this war on energy, they went under yep. the guise of environmentalism. So with what we're seeing in the, the Keystone pipeline, let's start there. Actually, no, let's take it back. The yep. time that we are in is in COVID. Yep. I would say that Canada is having a much harder time with it in terms of shutdowns and lockdowns than the United States. What are you seeing across the board? Well, it depends on what province you're in there. Yes, they have restrictions everywhere. Some, some provinces don't even have their uh, restaurants open. They got curfews. They have to be home at eight o'clock. There's huge fines. There's kids playing hockey outside and again, fined. So it's crazy kids because- Kids are playing hockey outside and getting fined. Yes, that's correct. Is that they're, what they're United not... States is headed towards? Uh, you know, again, because of the censorship, I don't know. Like, I got a lot of friends in Texas that their kids are playing ball. They go and they can watch their kids. Here, we're not even allowed to play hockey, and you can watch it on TV. So it's so hypocritical that we are having a tough time. And I'm not saying that COVID's not real. I believe in COVID. I know COVID's there. There's people dying, and it's sad. But I don't think there's been one kid in Canada that's died, going back to the statistics. So... To shut down the world economy, Canada, I, it's it's frustrating because now you're seeing the mom and pop operations that will never get opened up again. Restaurants and small clothes stores, they will never open again. And it's now backed by Amazons and Walmarts. They're allowed to stay open and their profits are going through the roof right now. Oh, yeah. So. I might have contributed just slightly to Amazon's profits. But what we yeah. are seeing, <laughs> what we are seeing is that to your point, the mom and pops are closing. Um, there was the estimate of, I think people said 40% of energy consumption was down just across yeah. the global economy. And that's what people forget is that 
it's not a matter of attacking oil and gas or the environmental movement. It, it doesn't just translate to an additional $10 at the pump. It actually affects people in their homes, the conversations you're having in the kitchen, in the den, when the kids go to sleep on how you are going to survive. And the big question with everyone is, will demand rise back up to where it previously was at something like, what was it? 99 million barrels a day consumption wise, if not a little bit yeah. more. I mean, do you see us returning to a normalcy like that? Well, you know, I uh, talked to the CAODC in Canada here, which is the Canadian Association of Drilling Contractors, and they figured demand's going to be around that 94 million barrels. And that's where I think we're going to start seeing a lot of uh, reserves getting used because I think, I, I don't know because the numbers are always so shifty, but I think we're at 80 million barrels of oil a day today. I think I seen the United States, they were down to 50 million barrels you guys are using. We're using 1.5 million barrels a day. But once we do see the, if we see the people flying again and on trips, I think we will see a huge demand in oil. I think it's gonna go up myself. And the minute we start burning off the reserves and the oil or the world starts opening up again, we're gonna burn those reserves fast. And I think you're gonna see oil prices go skyrocketing it up. And that's where I think Canada and the United States are going to be in trouble if we keep having to depend on foreign oil. And I think that's why we're here right now. And that's what it's looking like. Well, think about the average man. It might be a couple extra dollars at the pump, but all other goods and services that are backed by the oil industry are going to skyrocket. And the number one thing that does is kill GDP. It kills growth potential of your citizens. And we're in COVID. Most people haven't gotten checks for 10 months. Yes, absolutely. And they want, and the governments are making you dependent on it. They want you to stay home and keep people alive. That's our slogan, I guess. Stay home and keep people alive. Stay alive. I don't believe that that's the case. Yeah, because, you know, again, I'm not saying COVID's not real. It's real. It's very sad. But I find it... Uh, in Canada anyways, what I see, they don't talk about the death rates or the recovered rates. They just talk about there's that many more cases today. Mm -hmm. You know, we've never did this, talked about the flu cases and now there's no flu. So it's tough to believe anybody, especially when they're just driving that down your throats. Because my, my take is, be, again, being in the oil and gas industry, I don't think we should shut down the economy. I think the money that's been spent should have went in to protect the people that are vulnerable that needed the older people with respiratory, you know, issues and overweight and everything else. And I think we could have healthily did that. But now I, I don't know what to say. Like, I, I, I'm not saying I'm right either. I'm just saying COVID, we're not talking about suicides, we're not talking about overdoses, we're not talking about people dying because of people are missing surgeries. And even my wife, for example, her surgery was put off nine months. So pe people aren't talking about that. And that's an issue. It's a serious issue. That is a scary issue. So let's start relating this back to the average person because the idea of the Paris Accord, the, that climate agreement, it, there's a sexy thing behind it. Sure, we all want to protect the environment, to improve the environment, to make sure that for five to 10 to 50 generations past us, they we have left it yeah. better because of our efforts so that they can enjoy our planet. And that's great, but that has nothing to do with the actual Paris Agreement. And in fact, 
it yeah. more us joining it, the United States rejoining it benefits China and Russia who are repeat offenders on environmental movements. So why do you think that people are not grasping the detriment? What's being missed? Why, why don't we understand economics behind the Paris Agreement? Well, because what is it, the 2020-20, you know, reduce emissions by 20%, increase uh, renewable energy by 20%, so, and, and increase efficiency. But we've already done that. The efficiency in the oil and gas industry, everything's become more efficient. So Everything. this is basically, a, yeah, exactly. This is just something that there's real no law against it, but you just got to keep improving. So I'm not hypocritical in fossil fuels because I do believe in batteries and I do believe in oh, solar yeah. panels. I got one right behind us, but I want to do it safely and not push down our throats because right now oil and gas is the only reliable, sustainable and economical energy in the entire world. So demand is going to continue to go up for generations. And now it seems like they're subsidizing this and using the Paris Accord and everything else and this greenhouse emissions, which again, we're talking about greenhouse emissions and they killed Keystone pipeline. So it makes no sense. It's so hypocritical and every angle. So yeah, it's tough to swallow. It's just like, wow. Well, let's talk about that hypocrisy. So the Keystone pipeline yes. is really the, the big kicker. It's one of the things, there is an existing Keystone pipeline. This was sort of the extension for something like, what was it, an, an additional 800 million barrels a day going down yeah. to several stops, but really ending down in uh, the Houston area mm -hmm. for processing. So yeah. can you kind of take us back through the history of the Keystone pipeline? Because if I remember oh. properly, Obama looked into it, his team looked into it five times, Chris, five times and actually found that it would improve the environment and chose to ignore it. So let's cut through the BS and start in the beginning. So yes, it's been 10 years getting this going and mm -hmm. environmental study after environmental study, they've, they've done it. They've made sure that it was safe for everybody and everyone's land that's going over and a pipeline, as you know, we'll probably get more into the fail safe of a pipeline is unreal, like with ESDs and SCADAs and high level pressure controls and ESD valves, like we could go on and on how it's safe and how it's safer than train and rail. But after doing all these studies, it kept on getting pushed out by Obama. And then of course, Western Canada, where I'm from, everyone was mad saying, we got to do this because our, our oil is landlocked. And a couple of years ago, our differential was through the roof. Like oil's $50 and our oil's worth $10. Because Explain we can't what get a differential it. is real fast. Okay. So our oil is the same as oil, but we sell it to the United States because we have one trading partner. So you guys dictate what our prices are because our oil's going down there. So if say oil's $50 a barrel, our oil might only be worth $40 a barrel. That's all you guys are going to pay. And you guys could dictate that to us because we can't get our oil. We're landlocked. So now with this Keystone, we're even more landlocked. And now Biden's kind of, I don't know if it's Biden right now, but the environmentalists right now, we're talking about line five and line six or line three and line five, which is owned by Enbridge going to mm -hmm. Michigan and one's going to Wisconsin. Yes. And if those are shut down, we have no oil. And Keystone is such a crippling blow to Canada because we also had other pipelines five years ago and stuff that were denied, like energies that would take our oil to Eastern Canada, to our refineries that got shut down. So we can't even subside our own economy. And then 
the Northern Gateway, that was another pipeline that got shut down. So Western Canada needed the Keystone pipeline for sure. So y'all are still actually importing from the Middle East. The United States is doing the same. Y'all are landlocked. We have the option now to sell externally. Why? Why is that a problem for Canadians? Why is that a problem for Americans? Why does that affect someone in their home? And the other argument I've seen is, well, X and Y, Z pipeline have already been approved. So why do we actually need the KXL? What was the significance behind the KXL? So great question, because we need pipelines because Western Canada makes oil. So with the differential, if we can't get our oil out of Canada, our oil will be worth $5. We can't literally get anywhere. We can't even get it to go east. And But the problem is now we have no refineries here either. It's got to get down to the United States or out, out so we could, because our gas prices will follow that. Our gas prices right now are $1.20 a liter, which is $5 a gallon or something, because it's 3.79, over $4. And we have oil right here. We just don't have the upgraders or anything else. We don't have the infrastructure. Like, it's, it's so weird, like... So we do need the pipelines to get our oil out of here so we could start selling it to other countries, China, everywhere else, because we are importing oil. And another bad thing is, is because we're part of the Paris Accord and Trudeau wants us to say, okay, we have to pay for the carbon that we're using, which is astronomical for the tax that we're paying. Go into but, detail on this carbon stuff, because that seems sexy as well. But then when you break it down, you're like, oh, oh, crap, this doesn't work. It doesn't, because now we get... Uh, a power bill, I'll have a carbon tax on it. But now there's another carbon tax coming in. Like I haven't even read into it because it's so unbelievable that we're getting taxed for the air that we're breathing. And where we live, there's no smog, it's beautiful. Like Canada's got the highest policies and regulations for our oil and gas industry in the world. One of the best, and I've seen that. We don't have spills all over the place. We protect our water and we are again punished for it. So yeah. it, we are literally so now with the taxes but now when we when we go to go send our oil say through barges we would get taxed on that economically because of carbon mm -hmm. but now we got saudi arabia oil and everywhere else that has no carbon tax they're producing it cheaper more economical selling it to us i think you guys are at 12 million barrels i'm somewhere in there a day and you guys probably use 15 to 20 million barrels where canada i think we use 1.5 million barrels of oil a day and we produce 3.5 million and now our pipelines aren't there. So we are just sitting with all this oil and we can't get rid of it. So, so our you oil can't price even gets utilize your own resources to make yourself no. more energy independent, which honestly makes it more reliable and affordable energy, which is what every country should be working towards uh, uh, supplying to their citizens. For nothing more than the idea of prosperity, if you don't have to pay XYZ carbon tax or Absolutely. high prices at the pump, you can apply that money elsewhere for the purposes of progression. Yeah, yeah, no. And that's what's frustrating. Like, so even the Keystone, with that being said, we both know it was the wrong move. Even Obama not doing it, it's the wrong move for them. If you want to pretend that you actually care about the Paris Accord, if you actually care about the environment, it's the wrong move. Because now you look at it, more emissions with trucking through train and rail, Warren Buffins gets all more those rail carts. So there's more money. It's all about the money and it's sad to see that.
I seen a video about uh, Obama's chief uh, climate advisory about five years ago, maybe six years ago on YouTube. And it was about an actual thing. I think it was the Washington Post and it was from 1922. Mm-hmm. And the guy was reading it saying, is this what you're referring to? And it was about what we're talking about right now. And they were saying that back in 1922, the environmentalists were saying how bad everything is for the environment. Well, it's been a hundred years later and we, we still have the same climate change, not man-made climate change, natural climate change, because that's another thing like we're talking about. Is this ever going to stop? I don't know, because I think they took it even out of the kids' school. They're pushing them to, yeah, I don't want to say care about climate. Of course they care about climate. Yeah. But uh, they're, they're pushing us to think different. They want us to be feeling bad if we start our engines and drive to the store saying, oh, you're polluting the whole world. Yep. People fail to forget that 20, well, yeah, about 20,000 years ago, we were an ice age. Like we were literally an ice age. I learned that in school. Yeah. That the kids aren't learning anymore. So what happened there? Was there all diesel engines driving up and down the road? No, it's natural climate change. Well, that's the problem is that these life-changing into the world proclamations have been made for decades. And again, going back to the origins of the true environmental movement as we know it now, it was never based in science. And that's the thing is that they'll sit here and tell the conservatives that you are anti-science. You do not believe in the foundation of science. And that's completely false. Back to my earlier yeah. statement, climate change is very real. And believing yeah. that the, the world started with the perfect levels of greenhouse gases and we've messed it up, it's just a farce. That is why climate crisis is not as far gone as people would have you believe. But pipelines are lifelines, and that keeps emissions and these volatile fugitive gases out of the atmosphere in a more in a economic, quite frankly, and a progressive manner that allows more people to be serviced in faster times. Yeah, so- absolutely. One of the things I noticed that was different about this time around, and I got to say, I'm, I'm not buying it, but Trudeau, your prime minister, first time around, let's shut it down. Let's get it out of here. No more. He even said, and I'm going to let you talk about this one, but he has even gone as far to give his province unique credits on the carbon tax. But this time around, I'm very disappointed in Biden's decision. You have compromised your closest and most friendly ally in a country. How dare you? I'm not buying it. So let, let's unmask the Trudeau pipeline oil and gas war. Yes. And another thing I should have said about the Keystone five years ago when Obama said no, and it was out of the works. Trudeau bought that pipeline for $4.5 billion on taxpayers' dollars. He bought it. So, so it's going out it. there right now. Oh, I wish, yeah. But <laughs> so taxpayers own that. And it's upwards. I think uh, Jason Kenney, our premier, said that there's $1.5 billion that's lost again because we've been putting it in for a year already. So now it's just shut off. And Trudeau says, yes, I'm very disappointed. Yet I seen a video yesterday of three, three congressmen in uh, Wisconsin yesterday with a hundred workers, over hundreds of workers that just got laid off. And they were saying like, this isn't right. And Trudeau says, I'm disappointed with this. You're right, it's a smug slap in the face to Western Canada for sure. Yeah. And then he follows up to say, uh, I look forward to work with Biden and you know the environment. Like 
it's a slap in the face. We have to reverse it. I don't know if it'll ever get reversed, but something has to happen if they actually want people to believe them. As the politician, if you go out there and say, we care about the environment, okay, let's care about the environment. Let's not do stuff to hurt the environment while saying we care about the environment. It's, it's beyond ludicrous. So what is this unique uh, loophole he has applied to himself for the carbon tax? Yeah. So I, again, I've never, I've haven't read hundred percent into it. Apparently we're going up to $170 per metric ton of carbon tax that we use. And I, but now I heard that uh, Quebec's going to be exempt or only paying $17 because they have hydro dams and they're going to say, we're using those carbon credits because of the hydro dams. And I'm just like, Oh my. You have a solar panel in your backyard. That's alternative as well, right? That's a solution as well. But you don't get that extra cost reduction only Trudeau and his province does because of hydro dams, whereas you are doing your part. That's right. And everyone tries to do their part. And I don't know about this, but I don't, like we've, Alberta and Western Canada since Quebec, equalization payments for years because we make all this oil and we want to make sure all Canada's good. So we pay billions of dollars every year. And I heard that that's where the money went into their hydro dams. And now they get these carbon credits reliefs and we're going to have to pay more taxes in a time that people can't afford it. There's so many businesses that go and bank that. That's right. So it's, it's tough, tough pill to swallow right now, just trying to get your head wrapped around. And that's actually why I'm happy that we're doing this conversation but it's so complex that again, that the politicians could say one thing and do another thing. It's no different than over Christmas. They said, nobody's allowed at your house. I couldn't have my parents come to see my kids over Christmas. I've not allowed anybody here yet. All of the government basically is in Mexico and Hawaii, they're all on trips and they come back. And then they said, well, we probably shouldn't have done that. So now we're going to put stricter, uh, stricter measures so you guys don't fly if you go out you guys have to prove that you don't have covid prior to coming back just putting tougher measures on everybody so we can't do it it's just they it's just two different worlds right now how much would you have been charged if your parents had come over uh the fines have been uh definitely and i heard twelve hundred dollars so i do know a rig crew uh all of the guys in a truck driving back home from a rig they didn't have masks on because we're deemed an essential service, so we can work. So the police pulled them over and gave them all tickets. What those tickets were, I heard they were starting at $1,200 a person, but I actually heard from another guy that they got fined almost $10,000. So they're changing. There's another girl that was just on the news in Ontario that actually dropped her, I believe it was her daughter, off at her mom and dad so she could go and get groceries, being smart, saying, I don't want my daughter being around if there's COVID. Correct. dropped her off which she's not supposed to do because now we have this ratting hotline that if your neighbor calls the cops are supposed to come here so that's what happened and she got fined 880 dollars to drop her daughter off so she could go shopping for groceries potentially a no single sense. mom potentially a single that's mom right. just got charged 880 dollars because she needed to protect her daughter and go get food go get groceries that's right i mean yeah. I, I've heard about, I haven't heard the fighting thing here in the United States, but I have heard places like California or New York, they, neighbor is ratting on neighbor. We are creating a surveillance state across North America. 
This yep. is terrifying. This is what happens in dictator, tyrannical regimes, not in yep. free countries. But jumping back to the pipeline, because all of this is interconnected. Yep. The most interesting thing I saw, or the most comical, let me let me be very honest. The most comical thing I saw was tight sands, the dirtiest of Canadian oil. Um, I'm going to let you explain to us why that was just nothing but marketing absolute BS across the board to fit the leftist narrative. <clears throat> why Absolutely. are tight sands oh. so dirty? Yeah, tar sands and dirty oil and everything else that's oil sands. I will even say it's tar sands. I understand it because I used to work up there years ago. The truth of it is our oil sands, there's two ways of actually producing it. One is mining, which is done even in renewable energy. Correct. You know, even Butte, Mountain Montana. I've Google, Thank you. Yeah, so it's, it's mining. So they say it's dirty oil just because these movie stars are flying over it and saying, oh, look at the oil. If you understand it, there's no cap rock. That's happening naturally. You walk in the actual oils coming to surface naturally. Yeah. So we're just strip mining it. And the other way is through SAG, steam assisted gravity fed or steam assisted gravity drainage. Correct. And it's no different than drilling. They drill two wells. They'll drill one well that's water horizontal, another well below it that heats up the formation. So that it allows the oil to flow back up the well beside it because it's heating the formation, lowering the viscosity of the actual oil. So, and with the technology they've done there, they're in the last 10 years have dropped their greenhouse gases by 30%. They which would is be, amazing, like, which isn't it is amazing. About. That's right, they don't talk about it. They just say how bad it is because it's got the world news, but it isn't any dirtier than any other oil. And the benefit of it with the heavy ends, with the asphaltanes that everybody needs, they do need it, but yeah. they say, no, we don't want this. We don't want this. You but do they don't want understand bitumen. the process. Bitumen but, is asphalt roads. It's infrastructure. It's absolutely. housing for proof uh, for waterproofing. It is the basic fundamentals of infrastructure. That's what comes from the tar sands, the oil sands. And for all of those George Clooney's flying over it, the reason, yeah. your point, there's no cap rock. Jane oh. oh, God, help me. Do you remember yeah, how no. she did in Vietnam? She's a real great person. But they fly over it. This would be otherwise unusable land. Nothing grows there. It is a natural occurrence. By us removing it, we actually prevent natural emissions that are going up into the atmosphere, which they don't want either, right? That is just as bad as man-made. Yeah. And honestly, uh, Suncor, they just successfully reclaimed hundreds of hectares of land on their tail and ponds because that's what they talk about. It's a tail and ponds. What are we going to do with that? Yep. But they've got that down to a science. They, and that's again about water. They say, oh, they're using all this water. No, it's steam. They reuse it. They got their own. Little yeah, it's recirculated. There. Absolutely. Two so, wells, two wells. That's it. It recirculates. That's right. And even when they're mining it, it basically, they get the oil through heat and it goes through coking plants. And it's no different than any other upgrader. It isn't, I'm not saying it isn't bad. I'm not saying it's great. I'm saying it is in the oil and gas industry in Canada that's heavily regulated. And it is heavily regulated here. Mm -hmm. So we do things responsibly for the environment and for the water and everything else, like watersheds, water tables. We aren't just, it's so unbelievable just watching the news when people say, oh, these guys are just shooting oil there and there's a train wreck over here. It's, 
if there is ever a spill or anything else, we clean it responsibly. Oh yes. We reclaim it. We do soil samples. Everything. Absolutely. You know, so my problem is with all this, even with the Keystone getting shut down for the hip, hip because it's hypocritical, is nobody understands. It seems like we're watching, like you said, dictatorship on TV saying how bad it is with no reason why it's bad. They don't understand that we're on a computer right now because of the byproducts of oil and being on the phone. None of these people are going to go without, but they're going to say how bad oil is. Correct. So that's, that's my problem right now. People don't understand that it's in their makeup and shampoos and we can't live without it. And if we do, we'll be living in a grass hut naked. <laughs> well, isn't that kind the of. kicker, right? Like that is the point of uh, the attack on capitalism. They want us to regress. Even what happened in Aspen, earth first on that pipeline and shutting off energy to millions of people who were on vacation, who were living off of that grid. The whole point was to put them in the cold. There was no other goal other than to make you suffer. But for what? I mean, there's a lot. Why, why? Would Biden go as far as to even for temporary time time in, which is still detrimental? Why in fracking and drilling? Why pull permits on federal lands? The federal government is in dramatic debt. Absolutely, the jobs that that creates, and I was reading actually that I think federal send your energy from that. Like sixty days is. I, it I can't even like answer nothing, that. but it is so impactful. Oh, for sure it is. Each drilling rig arguably employs 135 people. So if you start pulling those drilling permits, people don't have money. I, I actually don't even understand the reasoning behind it. I I've it makes no sense to me, other than we know that they're trying to kill the oil and gas industry or secretly try to kill it because supply and demand is going to continue to grow. That's mm-hmm. my answer on that. Oil and gas isn't going anywhere. So they're trying to make it seem like it is. And I don't know how, because again, I like renewable energy. I'm not hypocritical to renewable, but it's, it's just not there. It's not there for a viable source of energy right now. So that's my oil and gas makes renewable energy possible. I mean, that's just long and short of it. If you want more renewable, you have to stop the restrictions on traditional because you cannot expand the renewable market without the backing of oil and gas but here's my thing i do not agree that they are being remotely quiet about the intention to kill canadian and american oil i i i think it is blatant it is very non-strategic but it is aggressive however They are agreeing to larger and they being the self-proclaimed elites that we see in government across North America right now, they are accepting contracts from other countries for their resources, for their conventional assets, because Canada and the United States, we do not control the global tap. We rely on OPEC to help control prices. And yet we're putting more power back in OPEC's hands to allow them to grab more market share. So is this really about killing the oil and gas industry is it really about the environmental movement or is it about paychecks and their pockets for sure and even right down to the petrodollar you start dealing with that with like it's the less oil that we make especially in the united states 
you know, you might not be trading the petrodollar in the United States or U.S. dollars anymore. Like, this is so alarming in so many different ways. Like, just because if we stop producing, other people are going to come in here and take the market share. It's no different than you look at the Keystone and people say they don't like pipelines. No, they say we have no problem with pipelines. We have a problem with what's inside that pipeline. But yet they have heat to their houses and stuff. And it's, again, it's such a vicious cycle right now that I just can't even understand it. I just... Well, going back to the argument, I mean, you even brought up the petrodollar right now. And it's it's funny because people don't realize that our natural resources, that being oil and gas, back the value of the dollar. It used to be backed by gold. It is no longer done so. And the Chinese yen, the the Chinese government, that dictator regime has been actively trying to unseat the petrodollar for well over 20 years. And people will say, you know, it's been 20 years. They haven't been able to do it. No, it's taken 20 years for them to infiltrate into different economies, different countries, uh, build military bases to control said countries, which we're seeing down in the Bahamas. Even people in Australia are saying it's getting weird that so much is being bought, even farmland with what we're seeing with Bill Gates. Oh. Yeah, it's scary. Threat, yeah, the threat of oil, the threat on oil is a threat on every American, and yet that's not being discussed. Why not? Yeah, I don't know. Like you even said about Bill Gates buying all that farmland. I don't think he needs that in his portfolio. No. I don't know why he wants it. You know, I'm not going to make crazy accusations, but it, I, it just doesn't make sense. But like you said, if the United States starts slowing down drilling 60 days, like, and it, it's alarming in multiple ways, like even with that petrodollar, because if you ever get into like a stage inflation i guess it's called when you know when basically your economic or your stagnant and economical growth and high unemployment and then if you get high inflation it's alarming because that's where the end could come in like we're going to be weakened and even with the cancellation of the keystone i know canada already is it's driving out foreign investment that Mm -hmm. comes right back down to gdp if you don't have that I'm not going to mention any other countries, but they're having riots that used to be flourishing great countries that aren't anymore from 10 years ago. So are we a threat to that? 100%. And that's what's scary right now. And then you look at Justin Trudeau saying, we're going to continue doing our green emissions and oh, it Paris Accord and tax Canadians. And we have no way of getting oil out of our country or out of Western Canada anyways. We are, it's all alarm bells are going right now. I absolutely agree. But going back to what the press secretary said, everyone who was impacted by these new regulatory uh, infractions on the energy sector, they can just go find new jobs. That's callous. Is that really, I mean, is that leadership? Is that really what we expect? I mean, isn't there a push for unity? Hell, I just saw that Prince William, a man who's desperate to stay relevant, is releasing a new documentary on the environmental movement for the purposes of criminalizing baseload energy. So where is the justice in this? Where is the unity in this? Yeah, well, there isn't because you can't, 
let's for like you just said if the oil industry is done and i know a lot of rig hands i know a lot of operators everything else that aren't working right now so what what's their option go get another job and start building you know solar cells and windmills and all this other stuff that isn't even recyclable like there's no push on that have you seen that there's millions of actual windmills that are sitting in the middle of fields that you can't even recycle like, there's no talk about it if you're really upset it's, about the damage to the countryside that pipelines have a temporary impact on, because we do, to your point, we always leave it better than we found it. That is, that's a non-negotiable. But if you're yeah. really worried about it, why aren't you talking about the land use issues behind solar and wind? Because there's no recycling that. Yeah, absolutely. It, so this is another thing. Our, uh, our minister of environment, uh, when was that? Last year, whatever. She's got a new job. Uh, Kathleen oh, I bet McKenna. She <laughs> oh, it, it's crazy. Like, this is how bad it is. They're looking and, you know, everyone's trying to build uh, climate programs to show what the environment's going to look like. But Canada basically got rid of 100 years of actually the history from, I think, 1850 to 1949 of the temperature of the of Canada. And they said there wasn't enough, I think, weather stations or something. So they scrapped it and they started new from 1950. And it's all because of the narrative. It's They will see that it's getting maybe warmer now, but it's all cycles. And if it doesn't work to their narrative in anything, then you just get rid of it. They and you erased, just sit back and watch. Canada erased the industrial years. revolution because they said there wasn't strong enough data it's the data is everywhere it might be handwritten but the data is everywhere that's right. So, what? That's right. so they got rid of basically the temperature and they said they're not going to record that data or data for the scaling model of going forward for this climate so now we're only dealing with 60 70 years a lot could change in night because even before that they were showing i was trying to find it a long time ago too, like this is last year, but in 1906, it was way hotter in Vancouver than it was yeah. today, but they don't show that. They just want it to be in a, their scalable model. And I don't know, actually know what it is, scientific models or weather models, what they call it. But again, it's just to control the narrative of the Paris Accord, of this green energy movement, the environmentalist, it's tough. We it's need an actual- Erasing yeah. history is- intentionally it's a it's a movement of marxism the same people yeah. that created concentration camps on minorities and yet we're getting hit with arguments that climate change is directly impacting only minorities i mean like good gracious doesn't that sound terrible that we're only the sun is only shining and like drying up their farmlands but yeah. that is an incredibly bold move on y'all's part to erase history and claim that there it wasn't significant enough as bold as trudeau saying geez it's disappointing that uh biden canceled the pipeline that's how bold it is what is it's a slap yeah it's a slap in the face but what is trudeau's end goal with this because he seems to have his own personal agenda whereas y'all's premiers yeah. essentially your governors of each province are uh they're fighting back. They're saying, hold on, we need this. And you are killing us because of it. So there's, it's almost conspiracy, but he's been going out, build back better, greater agenda 2030. I don't want to get into those things because it's too political, especially 
you know, with the businesses I have, but it's, it's disappointing. It's again, it sounds a lot of alarms. I like to see that people are starting to think for themselves because again, I turn on the TV, every news channel will either have Biden or COVID. That's it. That's it. And or now you look at Facebook. He's talking about COVID. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Or you turn it on to Facebook or the Twitters and everything else. And the problem with that, you just seen it like with, uh, Trump, like him, love him, hate him, it doesn't matter, but you can't silence him. What happened to our freedom of speech? Our rights are getting taken away right now. And it's blame. You're just taken away. No, nope, you don't follow this agenda, this narrative. We're taking you off. So I think it's everywhere. I think everyone's got to, and I'm not made telling people what to think for themselves. I just hope people are smart enough to want to find out what's actually running this. Mm-hmm. So in the idea of fighting censorship, because like you said, Canada already has a problem with it and the United States is going through it right now. And the end goal, there isn't a light at the end of the tunnel right now. There doesn't seem to be an upside or a happy medium when it's either free speech or it's not. So as people are listening to this and realizing that some of them are not in oil and gas, but they are conservative and they are looking to educate themselves on these types of blatant attacks on energy and American and Canadian security, what would you tell them to pay attention to with this rejoining of the Paris Agreement? Well, again, the Paris Agreement, I guess what it set out for when it came out, when was it, 2015? I just think it's taxing. It's, it doesn't make any sense. I'm, I'm hundred percent for the environment. I don't want people just saying, Oh, this guy doesn't know I'm in it. Yeah. But just to say that let's keep our temperatures within 2% or two degrees. How can you do that? When you look at 20,000 years ago, Canada was under a glacier. So it's natural climate change. People have to understand that we need a better campaign for the oil field oil and gas, even for the renewable industry. They're subsidized so much, but what happens to the actual blades of these windmills? Let's be open, let's talk honestly, let's, and that's what we have to do. And it's tough because we're getting blocked. Nobody wants to, all like you said, all those celebrities, Jane Fonda, nobody wants to not go flying, but they don't understand how they're flying. It's because of the oil and gas industry. And I like to say in it, like energy industry, as well as like you said, because energy is fossil fuels as well. It's wind, it's power, it's tying. So we have to do it responsibly together if we wanna go forward, but that's not happening. Our our voices are getting censored right now. Can anything be done then for the energy individuals out there from field to firm, laboratory, or heck, if you were just a small business who thrives and prospers because of your involvement and your support of the oil industry, of the energy industry. What can be done? How do we fight this from a social perspective as opposed to just numbers and data? Well, that's so tough. (laughs) When 95% of the people in Canada can't even leave their house to even talk about it. And if you do put something, all of a sudden it's a fact check on Facebook. You know what I mean? Like a fake fact. My thing, or yeah, whatever they are. But the thing is, is like even big oil and gas industries, they have big campaigns to say, you know, for the community. If they got a pipeline going through this community, like 
the Keystone, they'll go talk to that community. They will donate to that community. They pay huge taxes to that community. Correct. And it just seems like that's just under, nobody talks about it. So I hope, I hope that we can get past this and people start opening their eyes. But when you start seeing a shift of power and a shift of wealth from no more middle class and these rich guys getting 40% richer, at least in the last eight months, that money's just not printed. That's, I don't want to say my money or my, my bank, but it pretty much is. Mm-hmm. When I have to go to Walmart or order on Amazon because I can't go down the street to buy my kids Christmas presents because they're not essential service. They're forcing you to go to these big box stores and it makes no sense because you think the mom and pop stores would be able to allow only five people in and they would do it responsibly. Where you go to Walmart, there's a thousand people in there. They don't care. No, not at all. There's nothing. <laughs> yeah. So getting back to the question at hand, can we get through this? I hope because I do understand, but I just hope that the people start wanting to learn. We do have to find a better outlet to educate people though, too, but it, I find that tougher and tougher if they keep on silencing everybody. I completely agree. Well, Chris, before I let you go, plug yourself. How do people find you? How do people get involved with Rigor Talk? How do they get involved with the movement that you've started to help educate the masses from the environmental side to the baseload energy side? Well, we do have a website, rigortalk.com, and it is a free app at the App Store. So between that, like I said, we have over 365,000 users. But it was funny because when I first started, I just wanted kind of like, it was essentially a phone book, a directory. Yeah. But that's what pulled us into the drill and rig side. And then we changed it because now I have customers or members saying, well, if somebody just types in fresh water, I want to come up because that's what I do. Yeah. So that was a big transition, letting people in the back door because essentially we're uh, software as a service now that companies plug their companies in and they can change their information in real time doesn't matter where they are in the world. If they get a new service, all of a sudden they buy a service rig or their demulsifier for chemical, they put that in as, and if something's searched for that, just like on Google, their company is going to come up in the map. So that's kind of the most direct way and the most advanced way of advertising companies worldwide. I love it. Well, thank you yeah, so thank much you. for being willing to talk about the leftist war on energy. I'm like you, I'm keeping my fingers crossed, but I think we are in for an, a rude awakening because a war on energy is a war on the middle class and it directly impacts everyone in their home. It's not just a price you pay at the pump. Yes, no, I agree. And I thank you very much. I didn't want to get political or anything else like that, but it's little things that people have to start understanding and opening their eyes. Well, I appreciate you being willing to steer them in the direction so they can start educating themselves. I don't think I steered anybody, but thank you very much. (laughs) I look forward to our next conversation. This was eye-opening. It was educational. And I cannot wait to see where we are in the next two months. Yes. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Bye.